Welcome to the Bloomberg PL Podcast. I'm Pim Fox, along with my co-host, Lisa Abramowitz. Each day, we bring you the most important, noteworthy, and useful interviews for you and your money, whether you're at the grocery store or the trading floor. Find the Bloomberg PL Podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Bloomberg.com. Mike Regan, he is our Bloomberg stocks editor and the blogger at M Live. So he's really live. He's he's always live. <laughs> is the market live today? Live and direct. You it's, got yeah. Right. It sure is. Yeah, I think it's fair to call this obviously a dovish surprise from Janet Yellen's testimony today. Um, the remarks about the uncertainty surrounding the inflation outlook. Uh, Just to be clear, this is from the statement that was previously released. Right, right. The the remarks, the prepared remarks that she'll uh, she'll deliver to the House soon. Um, you know, obviously. Missing is the word transitory, uh, that inflation is, uh, you know, uh, the the declines in inflation are, are based on transitory factors and the word uncertainties uh, sort of replacing it, it you know, ma- makes people obviously think she's being a little bit more dovish than uh, perhaps the market was positioned going into it. And the, the reaction in the stock market is, is pretty textbook. You've got real estate companies in the lead, financials at the back. So the rate sensitive... Uh, uh, banks are underperforming. Uh, the companies that do well with lower interest rates, real estate, utilities, uh, telecom, that sort of thing, are, are all doing well. And uh, obviously, a big move. So it, it, you know, it's safe to say this was a uh, decent surprise for the markets. You know, one thing that I thought was interesting, and, and Tom Keen alluded to it earlier. He was saying, you know, talking about the yield curve, right? And and it's sort of interesting that across the yield curve, you're seeing something different. So uh, in the two and thirty yield curve. Uh, the difference between 30-year yields and two-year yields, you're seeing a bit of a flattening, but you're seeing a pretty significant steepening in the gap between five-year and 30-year Treasury yields, as well as uh, 10 and and 30 years. Uh, Just in the office to to let us know uh, what his take is, Carl Riccadonna, Chief U.S. Economist for Bloomberg Intelligence. Uh, Carl, is this market response indicating that many bond traders believe that Janet Yellen and the Federal Reserve will allow inflation to pick up more than they had previously been expecting, uh, given her more dovish comments? I don't think that that's uh, really the case here. I think the markets are, uh, in the last few weeks, have been responding uh, to this uh, droggy uh, taper tantrum. Uh, I think this will ultimately prove to be short-lived, but uh, the markets are expressing uh, real doubts about how much the uh, Fed is going to uh, ultimately move compared to uh, what they're signaling in their summary of economic projections. When you say move, you mean raise in terms of rate increases. Because she basically said, we're almost done. I mean, in so many words. (laughs) Well, she said that uh, we're almost to neutral, but neutral will move higher as the economy continues to improve. So she is uh, kind of sticking with the Fed plan that the uh, terminal rate or the uh, at least a neutral rate uh, will ultimately move closer to two and a half or three percent. I, I got to say, I feel like I'm in a game of Scrabble and someone has just shaken up the entire board. Neutral moves higher. Can we just understand what this is? It, it, are they looking for more reasons to lower rate to keep rates low, or are they looking for reasons to keep to, to move rates higher? So they they want to be moving rates higher, but this okay. goes back to the notion that's going to give you a headache when I say it: uh, R star. 
so the neutral uh, interest rate. And so they have uh, indicated that that uh, was depressed after the financial crisis. Right, uh, it's right. moving higher, uh, and it will move higher still. Uh, but as the Fed funds rate is moving higher, then it's closing the gap with neutral. How many, how many rate increases is Bloomberg uh, uh, economy, uh, economics forecasting for this year? Well, uh, currently, uh, we are looking for one more this year, but it's really going to depend on the inflation numbers. Uh, the Fed is uh, Why, could potentially, raise more? no, potentially no, okay. uh, even less. Inflation is backsliding. Uh, the Fed is uh, ramping up the pace of normalization at the ta- same time that inflation's moving in the wrong direction, uh, 1.4% on the core PC deflator. They're trying to hit 2%. Uh, so with that backsliding, uh, they really risk their inflation credibility uh, because they have underperformed on that objective for the last several years. Okay, okay. so the, you're saying... Currently, we're on tap for one rate increase, but all of this. How about for next year? Uh, three, but again, three. I'm going to say the risk, okay, that's to, right. I just... uh, the risk is to the downside. And the fundamental reason behind that, uh, I don't think uh, we have a clear sense of what the reaction and the exchange rate is going to be uh, when the balance sheet unwinds starts. Good point. When yep. QE was initiated, the trade-weighted dollar fell to a three-decade low. Uh, when you throw that engine into reverse, uh, I think it's a big mistake to assume that we won't see dollar strengthening, although recent Fed comments, including Governor Brainerd's speech yesterday, uh, tried to make the case that uh, this will not be a significant uh, well, you uh, saw, driver of a right. strong you dollar. You saw what happened. It's a very good point you make because, of course, this is what happened in Canada just recently. Absolutely. I mean, you know, the Currency dollar is levels absolutely matter, and it matters to a lot more than just the export sector. Well, you know, so right now we're seeing yields down across the board uh, where people basically because of Yellen's uh, generally perceived to be dovish stance. But I have to wonder, Mike Regan, how much this is a continuation of a uh, play to safety or a flight to safety and an expectation that growth will slow because of gridlock in Washington uh, that we saw really take hold yesterday in the wake of the release of emails from Donald Trump Jr. uh, that seemed to to uh, show his uh, full understanding of uh, who he was meeting with and that he was going to be getting information that could be harmful to Hillary Clinton's campaign from the Russians. Yeah, there was a, a brief spasm of flight to safety yesterday after the uh, those emails came out, after uh, Trump Jr. tweeted them, in fact, himself. But you know, looking at the equity market now, uh, Dow averages up 160 points uh, above its record close. So it's hard to really... Uh, you know, say there's a, a flight to safety well, going on. And, and, and to be clear, I'm not saying that people are worried that the government's going to fall apart. But uh, Dan Iveson of PIMCO put it eloquently when he said, look, this just makes it even harder for Congress to push through their proposals that could potentially help growth. This goes to your point, Carl, about inflation. How can inflation pick up uh, without that fiscal stimulus that people were expecting that would only come with some kind of agreement and some kind of leadership in Washington, right? I mean, this is all playing into uh, the outlook for growth, no? Ultimately, inflation will be a reaction to the pace of growth in the economy. So if we are meandering along at 2% growth, like we have for most of the current economic cycle, uh, then we should see similar types of inflation results. Uh, So you can get past 2% if you keep rates 
really accommodative if you have a fiscal stimulus package, uh, but neither of those seem to be transpiring. So uh, it's uh, it doesn't make sense to me that policymakers are uh, confident we're going to hit their inflation objective if they are dramatically accelerating the pace of tightening uh, in an economy that has yet to show any evidence that it is bucking the trend that has prevailed for eight years running. Good, very good point. Carl Riccadonna, please stay with us because we've really kind of elevated the discussion to another point. You've really made some interesting comments. And I want to bring in uh, Chris Condon. He's our uh, Fed reporter for Bloomberg. Uh, and um, he's also here to uh, talk a little bit about uh, Gary Cohen, right? I mean, he might be a candidate to replace Janet Yellen uh, as Fed chair next year. Um, Gary Cohen, currently National Economic Council director. Chris, you, maybe just, uh, if you can, just take a leaf from, from Carl's book here. And, and Mike Regan, I want to thank you. If you want to Hang out. We love you, but I know you actually have to go do some work. Uh, I better go write some blog posts. There you go. At MLive Go on the Bloomberg. Uh, you know, uh, Chris, it, Carl made the point that we, we are in a point where maybe we're making a very big mistake. Does anybody else feel that that is more important to discuss than, uh, you know, what we're going to hear today about a short-term move in interest rate or, or so? Sure, Pim. There are many people concerned about that sort of longer-term direction of the Fed and how it's going to deal with this whole riddle surrounding unemployment and inflation. Um, and, and on top of that, as, as you know, the, the, there's a big question over who will be the next Fed chair if Janet Yellen is not going to continue. And, and that yeah, well, also and we got, connects directly to that question. Well, yeah, and we saw a political story out yesterday uh, saying that the leading candidate to replace Chair Yellen is, drumroll please, uh, Gary Cohn, the current uh, chief economic advisor to President Trump and former mm-hmm. Goldman Sachs chief operating officer. So, Carl, what's the take on him? Well, he's an administration uh, pick uh, for the uh, NEC, so uh, you know they raises questions about the political independence of the Fed. If you're having one of your own now moving into the uh, role of Fed chair, yeah. it's hard to see Cohn being a policy hawk uh, and raising rates uh, aggressively or tightening policy aggressively, uh, which would uh, then uh, hurt economic performance and uh, run contrary to the objectives of the administration. Uh, I just can't see that. Yeah. Uh, the The optics are not uh, particularly great. It'd be better to be uh, someone who is a little bit Uh, more distant from the administration. Well, and Gary Cohn is not an economist either. Chris, I'd love to get your take on the process uh, that uh, President Trump would have to go through to get Gary Cohn uh, to be the head of the Fed, because my understanding Mm -hmm. is that uh, any Fed chair has to be appointed from sitting uh, Fed members. So he is not currently a Fed member. How would this work? Well, you have to be a governor to be selected to be chair of the Board of Governors or and chair of the Federal Reserve System. But given that there are vacancies on the board, the president could select anyone he wished, uh, assuming they'd be approved in the Senate, to become a governor and be elevated to the position of chair simultaneously. So that's not exactly, unless he were to fill up the three vacancies with other people and then assume yeah. Janet Yellen. Yeah, would Chris, and, I'm sorry. We're going to have to leave it there. Chris Condon, Fed reporter for Bloomberg, Carl Kadana, chief U.S. economist for Bloomberg Intelligence. 
Thanks for listening to the Bloomberg PL Podcast. You can subscribe and listen to interviews at Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or whatever podcast platform you prefer. I'm Pim Fox. I'm on Twitter at Pim Fox. I'm on Twitter at Lisa Abramowitz1. Before the podcast, you can always catch us worldwide on Bloomberg Radio.